Welcome to Love Your Library, Hampshire Library's podcast. I'm Hattie Dulac, here with my co-host Emma Green. Hi Emma. Hi Hattie, it's great to be able to join you on the podcast. I've been inspired by many an episode. Well, it's lovely to have you here. And um, first question, got to ask, are you reading anything good at the moment? I'm currently reading The Flat Share by Beth O'Leary. It's been out for quite a while now, but I've just finished Beth's new book, The No Show, and I loved it. So I thought I should go back and read The Flat Share. It's kind of like a funny romantic comedy about a woman and a man who are sharing this flat in London. Leon works nights and Tiffy works in the day, so they never really meet, but they kind of leave each other these post-it notes around the flat. So these like allow them to get to know each other from a distance. It's a great, like easy, relaxing read to read over the holidays. I just finished it in a few days, so it's definitely a nice one to read over Christmas. How about you? That sounds like a charming book to read, almost a bit like uh, The Lake House. I don't know if you've ever seen that film with um, Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, where they're kind of time travelling, leaving notes and things like that. But I'm reading Dracula by Bram Stoker. I was listening to it as an audiobook on BorrowBox. You might think... Yeah, not super festive. We're kind of approaching approaching the winter season and this is maybe a bit more of a Halloween-y vibe. But the thing is, it's a really, really, really long book. And after 17 hours of audiobook, I have now finished it. And it was great. It was well worth it. But yeah, it's uh, one that I never got to when I was younger and I always meant to. So I'm really glad that I did. So Dracula is such a classic. It's, it's one that you have to read at least once in your life, isn't it? So today's episode of Love Your Library is a children's book special where we chat to some superb writers and illustrators of children's books. I chatted to Jake Alexander, who is an exceptionally talented illustrator and actually the winner of the 2019 Macmillan Children's Book Prize with his picture book, Can I Read My Books, Please? And then later on in the episode, you'll hear me talking to Harry Woodgate, another award-winning author and illustrator, about what they most enjoy about writing and illustrating children's books and how they really develop their characters. As schools shut up shop over the festive period, it's a great time to be thinking about children's books. They're great, both as a way to keep little ones entertained while you're at home and also a really good way to boost literacy skills during the holidays. The Reading Agency's Winter Mini Challenge is a scaled-down version of their Summer Bonanza, challenging children across the country to keep reading in the winter months. In Hampshire, our libraries will be gearing up to help little ones select the books and find some new favourites. Visit the Reading Agency's website to learn about the challenge. You can find the links in our show notes. But for now, here's Hattie speaking to Jake Alexander. Yeah, so I'm Jake Alexander. I'm an author and illustrator. I've worked in children's publishing for like two years now or three years. I can't really remember because of the pandemic, but since graduating. And yeah, I'm I'm from Winchester originally. Um, I'm currently living in London. So a Winchester local. So you're probably yeah. quite familiar with some of our libraries in Hampshire then. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, so I'm, I was born in Winchester and then I lived in Basingstoke for a few years as well. So like, I'm very familiar with like the Winchester Library and then some of the more local libraries around like Basingstoke, that sort of area. 
That's amazing. So as you mentioned, you're obviously an author, illustrator, you've been working in children's publishing, which is quite a, I guess, a niche area to go into. So I I want to ask a bit about what kind of, I guess, maybe to start with your beginnings, actually, have you always been creative? And and is illustration like something that was always a path for you? or, Or is that something that emerged later? I think it's something that sort of emerged later. I I was really interested in like English and history sort of during school. And then during secondary school, I really, I mean, I always loved to draw, but I really got into into art. Mm. So I took that forward. And then I did um, foundation at Arts University Bournemouth. Because I was was still trying to figure out what sort of creative field to go into. Because initially I thought I was going to do fine art. Mm. And then speaking to like some tutors there, they're like, oh, like the stuff you're interested in, the stuff you want to go into, it'll actually be better to do um, illustration. And so like, there's like different pathways in the foundation. And then, yeah, doing that, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Went on to the degree. The thing is, I, I didn't really think my work was suited for children's books at all. Mm. Um, I didn't do any anything like children's book related until the final project of third year so it was, it was literally like my last project I was like oh, okay like I haven't done this I'll try it because I'd, I'd really been sort of struggling to find like contexts um for my work and then yeah then I I submitted the project so I just I just sort of went for it and then I think I found out that I had one on um hand in for like everything so that was like a really weird like final yeah final thing yeah that's amazing so for our listeners winner of the Macmillan prize for illustration for picture books is that right the Macmillan children's book picture prize that that must have been amazing was that like such a surreal moment you know for your first ever kind of foray into that to yeah be- it was um especially I think the last thing I'd like won was an art competition in primary school and I'd <laughs> fridge magnets so was that win a indication that actually there was so much potential in that area for you to go in career-wise? Did that give you the kind of, or was it taking on the project and actually doing the work, you realised that there was a real passion there? I think it's a, it's a mixture. Like, I see myself more as, like, an illustrator who's, like, doing children's books. Mm. That, make, that makes more sense. Like, I'm I'm open to doing, like, pretty much anything related to, to art but it's it's just like how things have sort of like developed so like working so with Macmillan we developed the initial project into my first book and that took like a year so just doing that like learning like actually how to make a children's book was really interesting learning how to write one as well yeah and then from that like more jobs sort of came and like I, I got an agent who's like helping as well um so it's all sort of like snowballed really yeah, yeah, amazing. So what what exactly is that creative process? I think our listeners will find that really interesting. Where where do you even begin? With like any project, it's like your own personal experience like mixed with like we were interested in, I think. With illustration specifically, it's it's finding the right context for it. I think like with, with fine art, you know, you can be a lot more like authorial. But with illustration, it's a lot more commercial. So you, you do need to to find a, something that like people would actually want to like read or, or buy or yeah it was it was it was tricky to begin with like I didn't I hadn't so during the 
final project at uni that was I was looking at systemic racism and sort of looking at, at library closures as well because I think around about that time they were looking to close Chinnam Library which is the one I, I went to as a child so that was like very close to home so sort of finding a way where I could sort of like put everything together into like an actual thing. So coming up with that concept or or drawing upon that I guess idea and experience you know what what was the importance of that message then I guess for you was that something that you always knew that you wanted to speak about because you've done a book since as well Mm. um, that's also about sort of a library closure and the importance of community and stuff like that so is that something that you're really kind of personally passionate about? Yeah like I I spent like a lot of time in in the library as a child um, and I think it was just like a way to sort of keep up with like the curriculum as well because I'm I'm dyslexic and mm. we, we only really found that out when I went to uni like obviously like I struggled with like reading and writing but like by by reading so much I think as a child it really like helped me just even even just like reading reading for pleasure as well like I, I think I read a lot more than my classmates were doing Mm. with that kind of topic then of of not just library closures but also looking at it from that systemic racism angle where did that idea come from was that something that you always knew that you wanted to do projects and work around or was it uh something else yeah I mean obviously like personal experiences like growing up obviously I've, I've come into contact with racism and stuff and you know the way people have sort of like behaved um towards me and the way some institutions have behaved and I think like when I started uni my degree around 2016 and that's when sort of Black Lives Matter was starting in in the US so seeing everything that was happening there seeing everything that was happening here um it was was very much like on my mind during uni so I think that sort of like coalesced in 2019 when my final year and then sort of developing that project into the into my first book that was published yeah is talking about it to children via that visual mechanic something that throws up any unexpected challenges or do you think that actually that kind of vessel for learning is um is better in that in that sense i think you know obviously these topics have to be talked about sensitively and in my mind you know, it was important not to be overt with the imagery mm. um, in the book as well, because I was, you know, like, it's, I think it's very easy to go from like commenting on something to then perpetuating it, mm. if, if, you, if you use the wrong imagery. Mm. And I, I do, I do think it's important to talk to children about it, because obviously, these are things that affect them, like, as a child, it affected me, mm. like, I was very, like, cognizant of the fact that you know I was treated differently to some of my friends yeah I, I think I think it's important. Do you find it I suppose challenging at all to work out what that tone of voice is then because it sounds like it's a like you say almost a delicate balance of not being too overt with that kind of messaging it is speaking to this child audience in particular bring its own kind of challenges? I think that's the case for 
you know, the, the wider publishing industry as well. I, I try and think of what I wanted to read as a child. I think that really helps. And I know that a lot of publishers are now using sensitivity readers, like people who are trained to help with this sort of thing. Mm. I, I did like a lot of research as well. Yeah. What was that like? What was that research about the institutions and systemic racism? Or was it about, you know, how to approach children with the right, you know, wording or imagery? It, it was a mixture of stuff because like I knew next to nothing about children's books when I started. So like, I really had to to learn that side of things. Um, so that was like reading a lot of other children's books, um, like theory about children's books, a lot of stuff about like the theory point illustration. Like I, was, I was doing this at uni as well. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Studying. And then obviously all the stuff with the, the subject matter as well. So reading a lot of stuff about um, systemic racism, you know, systemic racism here in the UK, in the US. Mm. And then, yeah, obviously sort of like trying to bridge the two yeah I mean it sounds like it, it does sound like a challenge it sounds like just a lot to consider I guess in terms of knowing who you're speaking to do you have any sort of children in your life like do you have a focus group that you can run ideas past or anything like that <laughs> I've got like a lot of little cousins oh. um, <laughs> do they get a sneak preview sometimes yeah like well, my cousin's children I I did a I did um a sort of reading for um Bromley libraries a few months ago and I think that was the first time I'd actually sort of read aloud the finished book to a group of children yeah what was the response they really liked it and I, I was I was really nervous <laughs> I thought they were just gonna like rip it apart but no they, they really they really liked it I was and that was that was like a huge like confidence boost to be honest like so in in the scale of success it goes Macmillan prize first place Bromley Library children. Yeah, I, th I, think, so. I think so. Maybe I won't tell my publisher that. <laughs> that that's brilliant. I think um, it's. It, I mean, that that kind of feedback from kids is mm. they're never going to lie to you. So you might, you know, take it taking that on to heart is very worth doing. So one thing that I wanted to ask is, yeah, obviously the next book, so the one following the prize winning one is called We Want Our Book and that is uh, a sort of story about some siblings who get their community to kind of fight and help keep their very um, dear to their heart library open so um, is the is that kind of set based on the experiences is it an expansion of um, book that won the Macmillan Prize? Yeah it, it's it's basically like a a revised and like adapted version of the original hmm. like prize-winning book. Um, so the original book was sort of not a book that makes sense. Like I never envisioned it to be read by, you know, like a wider. It was it was actually just for me, like my peers, the tutors, and then the judges basically. Yeah. I never thought it'd be like an actual read thing. So I was still working out a lot of different stuff. And then when it when I won the the prize, and then two hoots were like oh we will you know option this like we'll develop it with you wow I then had to like really like figure out okay how do I how do I do this I don't know <laughs> so that, that real learning curve yeah it was and it, it took a while like luckily like my editor Helen Weir was really patient mm. I worked with like a really amazing designer Joe Spooner and it was a very like collaborative sort of process of like over a year like really like figuring out how to 
to like make a children's book. That's wonderful though. I mean, and I guess our listeners might think that, you know, books with fewer words in are easier to develop, but from the sounds of it, it you know, taking a year to make it perfect and get it, get it right, it sounds well worth all the effort, but also probably a lot more challenging than people think because there's yeah. a lot to consider about, I guess, layouts and mm. visuals and things like that. Yeah, because the, the first book had like hardly any text in it. Then like the first sort of drafts were like, okay, we need to add like loads of text to sort of describe what's happening. So it was like paragraphs and paragraphs. And then I was getting worried because then there was like no space and a page for illustrations and then sort of like a back and forth. And like, I think there's like hardly any text in the final book. I think there's like only like 50, 60 words. Yeah. So like that was very difficult. So sort of like narrowing down, like how do you tell a story in like such a little... Yeah, yeah. you could tweet your book. I could, I could tweet my book. <laughs> so, and, and that's actually a really good question. So presumably children's picture books aren't something that you're a personal reader of much? I am now. I, yeah. I read a lot of children's books now. <laughs> Any favourites? Uh, Any favourites? Any favourites? I, I love all of John Classen's work, Laura Carlin, um, Dapo Adiola, like all the work that he's done with Nathan Byron. Emily Hughes is another one, yeah. Do you get to hang out much with other children's authors? Yes and no, if that makes sense. I feel like illustration... I'm speaking as just like an illustrator now, like illustration can be like very solitary mm. um, unless you have a studio space with, with other illustrators. And that's, that's something I'm hoping to do in the future. Most of my friends are in the arts, so a lot of my illustrators, authors. So in that, in that sense, it's, it's good. You know, I can bounce ideas off, off them. And like, I do sort of speak to other authors and illustrators online like every mm. now and again. I do bump into people in like events and stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, it'd be, it'd be really nice to meet up more and like sort of pick their brains. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Seems like such a creative that you have to be extra creative when you're doing things for children because their imaginations are just so much more uh, expansive, I suppose, which is. Just um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I guess in your personal life, what kind of things do you like to read? I've really been enjoying like like I said I, I like, I'm really interested in history so all this like ancient Greek fiction that's been happening like Circe and Circe is one of my favorite books ever it's so yeah, good I, I really really enjoyed that so those sort of books um graphic novels mm. um yeah just anything really yeah. yeah anything you can get your hands on I think sometimes when you're totally absorbed in that kind of like active brain reading researching and stuff like that it's nice to then go away and find stuff that you like reading for pleasure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So in terms of where listeners could find your work and any projects that you're working on, what kind of, um, where could we direct them? You can find my books in the library, um, bookshops. I, I really want to like push people more towards like bookshops, libraries, independent bookshops rather than online retailers. Um, but yeah, so my first book is We Want Our Books, and that came out last June. Mm. Not, not the June that's just gone, but last year. Um, and then I contributed to an illustrated version of Black and British by David Olashoka. I illustrated that with 
another illustrator called Melanie Taylor, who's amazing. Mm. Um, and I'm, I finished a third book. So I contributed to sort of like an anthology book that I can't actually talk about, I don't think. Um, oh. <laughs> so that I think comes out next year. And then I'm currently working on a book with Thames and Hudson, that I think should be out next year as well. Mm. And I'm hopefully, you know, I'm in a writing stage of some of my own books. We'll see how that pans out. Yeah, um, exciting. But yeah, it's just like bookshops, that sort of stuff. I've got my own website. So if you type my name into Google with like illustration, I should hopefully come up. While I was looking at your website, I did see some of the other things that you've done, portraits and, mm-hmm. and like that of celebrities. So um, yeah, really beautiful illustration style, which we can't really you know, it's hard to describe on an audio podcast, but <laughs> it, is, it is really lovely, well worth a look for, for listeners, um, big and small. Just in terms of any future projects that you're working on, what's in store for you? Where where should we be looking in the future? Just keep your eyes peeled on like the local bookshops. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully more of my books appear <laughs> like down the road. Appear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Watch this space. Yes. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much. I think that's everything from me. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. No, that's all right. My pleasure. I really enjoyed speaking with Jake. It's always so interesting to ask where writers get their inspiration from. And I find that even more so when illustration comes into the mix, because there's just so many sources for that inspiration kind of flying around such a skill to do do both yeah jake actually went to the same uni as me the arts university bournemouth and it was lovely to see how his university project had become an award-winning book his hard work definitely paid off so moving on to the second part of this episode now and another brilliant children's book writer and illustrator here's me chatting to harry woodgate about their career so far So hi, Harry. I met you actually at the Bologna Children's Book Fair in 2019. For anyone that doesn't know, this is a huge event that brings together authors and illustrators and publishers from the children's book industry from all around the world. So there's like talks, meetings and loads of beautiful artwork from the children's book industry. So I think you were showing your um, portfolio in your book, Grandad's Camper, to um, publishers. Yeah. Yeah. Were, were we both in one of the one of the queues for the portfolio of these? Yeah, I think so. For one of the publishers. Because because I I distinctly remember being in the queue for I think it was the Tate Publishing portfolio review, and I distinctly remember sitting there for about three or four hours. I think it might have even been more. Yeah, I think I think so, we're there. So probably. many illustrators waiting to <laughs> to be seen. So how did you get into writing and illustrating children's books? So I believe you did an illustration degree. Have you always enjoyed art and illustration? Yeah, so I, I think I've always, I've always been uh, into drawing since I was very, very young. Um, I've always been very into books as well. I, I was a voracious reader when I was at primary school and then all the way through secondary so 
all of it's it, it's always been a an interest and although there was a sort of period of time like when I was doing GCSEs that I was like mm, maybe I'll try and be something more like professional in inverted commas like I don't know like a psychologist or or an architect or something and I quickly realized I couldn't really do the maths for it and went 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 straight back to to the art instead which was the right decision I'm very glad I did yeah definitely so your book Granddad's Camper has now won the Waterstones Children's Book Prize for the best illustrated book of 2022 which I think is amazing seeing it from like originally taking it to the publishers for now winning an award it just shows like there's such an amazing journey could you tell the listeners a little bit about like the storyline of granddad's camper yeah firstly thank you very much <laughs> it is a bit amazing to sort of see how much it changed from that that version of the book that I first showed to publishers it was very <laughs> very bad compared to uh, what we ended up with but but that, that's the way I guess um so yeah, the, the story is about um, a little girl called Millie who really loves going to visit her granddad over the summer holidays. Um, her granddad lives in a little village by the sea and his cottage is full of lots of interesting things from uh, from his travels. Um, but the thing that Millie loves to do most is to listen to all of granddad's stories about the adventures that he went on with his late husband Gramps in their vintage camper van. Now that Gramps isn't around anymore, the camper van is looking a little bit worse for wear. Um, and it's up to Millie to work out a way to get Grandad out and in enjoying life and adventuring again and honouring those memories that he had of him and Gramps. Wow, such a lovely story. Have you got any like favourite books or authors that inspire your stories? I think I'll go picture books first. So picture books, um, I love Dapo Adeola's work. I think his character design is some of the best out there. The way that he portrays different emotions and creates really dynamic characters that speak to each other in the illustrations is very inspiring. I'm looking at my bookshelf now for, for other people. Also, I think um, Maisie Paradise Shearing, as well as another illustrator that I admire a lot, just for the the warmth and textural qualities of her paintings and illustrations. I think there's something very inviting about those. And it's the kind of illustrative work that you can kind of get lost in um, and pick out loads of different little details. I've got a copy of her version of The Happy Prince by Oscar Wilde, and I just love the cityscapes and that was beautiful. And then probably for slightly older fiction, so nine to 12 year olds, I'm going to go LD, LD Lipinski. They are, they're a good friend and um, their trilogy, The Strange Worlds Travel Agency is probably my favourite trilogy of recent years. It's vibrant and inclusive and so much fun. The idea is that the travel agency contains these suitcases and all you need to do is step inside and you get transported to a whole host of different magical worlds. And, and I think that's wonderful. So um, the weather's getting colder now and it's coming up to Christmas, which is a massive time of year for the children's publishing industry. Do you have any like festive favorite children's books or like a story from your childhood that really reminds you of like the festive period of Christmas the obviously the first ones that come to mind are the late great Raymond Briggs um Father Christmas and Snowman are the ultimate 
children's Christmas picture books, definitely the, the first thing that comes to mind. Also a little bit of a shout out to the Very Merry Murder Club, which is the current uh, Waterstones book of the month. Um, and it's it's wintry. I wouldn't say it's necessarily completely Christmassy. Some of the stories inside are Christmassy. It's an anthology of 13 um, crime, murder, mystery stories written by some of the best children's authors that are working today, edited by the amazing Robin Stevens and Serena Patel. Um, and I got the absolute honour of illustrating that. So um, the paperback edition is out, out now and um, the stories are so good. They're so good. I really, really enjoyed illustrating it. And it's it's sure to be a good festive festive gift for any young detectives, I think. Well, I'll definitely check that one out. I'm so glad you mentioned the snowman book because we've actually got for Hampshire Countryside Service, the snowman and the snow dog trail coming out at the moment. Um, so that's <laughs> featured around the book. So that's a nice little link there. So... Um, what's your relationship been like with libraries across the UK? Have you always enjoyed reading from a young age? Yeah, so um, so my school librarian, um, when I was at primary school, we reconnected quite recently on Twitter, and I got to I got to be able to to say just how much it sort of meant to to me to have someone there when I was very young, champion, championing reading, uh, championing poetry as well. I distinctly remember um, poetry competitions and anthologies that we made um, as a school. And yeah, that that has been a current through every stage of my life, I think. I've always sort of used libraries. And I think as as communities, I think we we should be doing our utmost to to support them and to make sure that they um, remain there as the the incredible resources that they are for future generations. So um, I'm really interested in what you enjoy most about writing and illustrating children's books as opposed to just illustrating someone else's text. Is there one or the other which you prefer? Um, so writing and illustrating, I think, I think is a different experience, probably writing and illustrating together versus uh, illustrating for somebody else. I do enjoy them both uh, for different reasons. So when I'm illustrating for somebody else, I I enjoy being able to discover a world that somebody else has created for the first time and to solve that puzzle of how can I provide an extra insight and how can I build on and establish that world through a different medium. I find that very rewarding and often the the products of a writer and illustrator is more than the sum of its parts, I think. But having said that, writing and illustrating together, there is a lovely sense of, of total control over the world that you're building and the characters that you're creating. And if something isn't working in an illustration, you can think about, okay, well, how can I transfer this to the text or... Or if the text is feeling a bit heavy, um, so with picture books, a lot of the story is told through the illustrations. And so there's a lot of stripping down the text just to the bare bones of, of what really needs to be there, what is actually telling the story and, and moving some of that across into the illustrations so they work in a sort of complementary way. 
Um, and I really enjoy that process as well of being able to control both sides. Yeah, the characters in your books have like such fantastic personalities and they're really relatable, I feel. Do you have any like top tips for our listeners on like how to create an engaging character? So there are two sort of ways I think that I approach creating characters. I think the first is sort of image-based and perhaps this is sometimes a little bit surface level, but I often have characters come straight into my head, like with a costume, um, with the clothes that they're wearing or with uh, distinguishing features, things that make them feel like fun and unique and, and the ways they sort of express their personality through the way they look. I, I think that's very important um, to a lot of people. It can be a very empowering thing as well. Um, so that's that's one way that I sort of look at creating characters. And then another way is um, sort of thinking about the things that I or people in my life, or I suppose people generally, but either struggle with or aspire to, and really building a character around one or two of those sorts of things. So for example, Timmy, the uh, main character in Timid, really struggles with shyness, but they absolutely love to perform uh, and sing. And so there's a bit of a, a conflict going on there that they really want to be this performer and they really want to share their stories with other people, but they have this big imaginary lion, which sort of represents their shyness, which which gets in the way. And so finding and pinning down that conflict that a character needs to solve can be a really useful way of sort of igniting that spark um, of characterization, I suppose. Wow, that's really interesting to hear. Do you have any like final top tips on that advice you'd give to aspiring children's book writers and illustrators, like a sentence that you think everybody should know? So I would say probably firstly, write what is important to you. A lot of people say, oh, write what you know. Other people sort of throw around the opposite and say, oh, write what's unfamiliar. I, I'm not convinced that either of those things are quite as important as writing something that you feel is relevant and that you are truly passionate about. I hate that word as well. It just sort of feels a bit boring. But I think if you can't really like 100% get behind your story, if you don't completely believe its relevance, then you're going to find it quite difficult. And it it is also, I think, a distinguishing factor in the books that do well, the books that uh, agents and publishers go for are the books that really have a sense of purpose. They know why they need to exist. Um, so yeah, I think that's what I would say. Yeah, you can definitely tell when an author and illustrator is connected to their story and it feels a lot more personal and then it makes it a lot more relevant to other children and other people out there. So I've seen you've been um, hand-painting some beautiful shop windows across the UK recently with your artwork from your book, Timid, that you've just mentioned. Have you got any other exciting projects coming out that we should look out for? Like, where should we be looking? Yeah, so I will be hopefully doing some window displays for the Very Merry Murder Club to celebrate that being Book of the Month uh, at Waterstones. As for then uh, future books 2023 yeah so 2023 is a bit of a bumper year um i think i have four or five books coming out 
the ones that have been announced are Shine Like the Stars, uh, which is out with Anderson Press. It's written by Anna Wilson. And it's this really gorgeous lyrical exploration of the ways that we connect as individuals and communities to the natural world. It's, it was just such a, a wonderful um, book to illustrate. And I got to do some really lovely, expansive sort of cinematic landscapes. So I'm really excited for that to come out. That's out in January 2023. I've got My Small World, which is a series I'm doing with the incredible Carol Hart, which is coming out a bit later in the year. I'm not completely sure what publication date is. That's with Simon and Shuster. Um, and it's all about creating these miniature worlds out of um, household materials, uh, sort of junk modelling, and uh, creating stories and narratives um, between child and caregiver. Um, and it, it was just so much fun. It was so much fun. The first one is dinosaurs. And I got to make loads of little modelling clay dinosaurs and like palm trees made out of loo rolls. And there was just so much creativity in that. We all had an absolute blast. And then the final one that's been announced uh, is Grandad's Pride, which is the sequel to Grandad's Camper, in which Millie and Grandad's uh, return to stage a pride parade in Grandad's little seaside village. Um, and again, that was that was a really lovely thing to work on. I can't wait to share a bit more of um, these characters with readers. That's going to be really lovely. I can't wait to see the Grandad's Pride. It will like be a little intro to like seeing granddad's camper from the start to seeing the sequel it's really exciting there's so many rainbows be warned and so many crowds <laughs> <laughs> that was difficult to draw we love a colorful book though so thank you for taking the time to chat with us today harry um we can't wait to see more of your fantastic work on our bookshelves across the uk um, and we'll definitely have to check out all of your new books coming next year Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really lovely. So, Hattie, I found it really interesting that Harry was talking about the importance of text and imagery in children's books. These should, like, complement each other, but also work together to tell a story. For our young readers, that's so important to have the imagery to give them the cues to the meaning behind the words, like especially as they're learning to read. Yeah, we, we mentioned it a while back in an episode where we spoke to one of our team about, um, you know, children's literacy and children's books. And during that episode, we were talking about the importance of actually, you know, to, to, the, to a child's development, it's so important to have things like um, for example, rhyme in a in a book as you're learning to speak and read, it kind of assists you on that learning journey. But especially with picture books, it helps you to weave all of those themes together. It helps you to bring um, bring the story to life. And and for a child who's learning to love reading and learning to to develop their reading skills as well, it's so important for that too. So we'll just say as a note to listeners, don't forget to pop into a library branch this winter and pick up some exciting picture books for your children or even for yourself to have a look at because some of the illustrations are just magnificent. And have you been inspired to pick up a paintbrush um, or maybe get creative from listening to our guests, but you don't know where to start, There's, there may be a learning and libraries class for you. 
Um, so there's plenty of crafting activities and creative workshops available across all of our branches. So visit our website to browse what's happening in a library near you. And we'll pop those into our show notes as well so you can access our website there. But for now, that's about all we've got time for today. Thank you to Jake, to Harry, and of course, thank you for listening. I'm Hattie Dulac. And I'm Emma Green.